The 1950s is a fascinating period where memories of the war are still very strong and the fear of more world conflicts haunt people. Rationing is still in existence. There is an acute housing shortage on account of the heavy bombing and austerity grips Britain. Society and policing in the 1950s was vastly different to today. And that's why I find it extremely interesting to research and to write about. I have created my 1950s detective, Inspector Ryger, who is from Scotland Yard. But he's sent out to investigate baffling coastal crimes around the coast of Britain. In the 1950s, as I've said, policing and detection was very much different than it is today. So how did the public communicate with the police? How did the police report in? Were there women in the police force? And what kind of vehicles did the police drive? Well, the way of communicating with the police and reporting in was the Mackenzie Trench police boxes. Now they appeared in London in 1929 and could be used by the general public as well as the police of course. They were in fact a vital communications linked. The boxes could be used to report fire or to summon an ambulance and report a crime. The light on top of a police box illuminated red and could be activated by the station or by a member of public to attract a police officer. Officers, therefore, were encouraged to stay within line of sight of their police box for as much time as possible, although the top of the police box lamp actually contained a gong mechanism which provided an audible means of attracting attention. Women in the police force were still fairly few and far between. In 19, between 1939 and 1949, though, the number of policewomen rose from 246 to 1,148. Whereas in 1939, 138 out of the 183 forces employed no policewomen at all. In 1932, Lillian Wiles was appointed the first woman chief inspector in the whole of the police force. She joined the London's Metropolitan Police in 1919 and the Criminal Investigation Department in 1933. So as I say, in 1950, women police officers were still fairly rare, but a growing number. It wasn't, in fact, until 1948 that the first two policewomen were appointed, were appointed in the Glamorgan Constabulary and Liverpool City Police only appointed policewomen in 1948. On the 1st of January 1949, the British Transport Commission Police was created and this was formed from the four old railway police forces, the Canal Police, and several minor dock forces. In 1950, the first female British Transport Police Sergeants were appointed when WPCs Snell of Paddington and Barrett of Liverpool Street were promoted. 
When it comes to police vehicles in rural areas, this really only consisted of a bobby on a bicycle. In towns where there was a sergeant or inspector, they often used their own cars for which they received an allowance. It was only in the larger areas that police vehicles were used. In the 1930s, the Met was using area wireless cars, crewed by CID officers and trained drivers and operators. And you can see these in operation in some of the British films of that period and beyond. In more rural areas, motor patrols, and that might be a bobby on a bicycle or a motorcycle, would arrive at a phone box at a fixed time and check in. It's rather hard to believe now, isn't it, when we take our mobile phones for, for granted. By the end of the 1940s, car fleets began to expand, equipped with VHF wireless, but not all had them. Not in fact, until the mid-1960s. It was, as you can see from that glimpse, a very different time and a very different way of policing from today. And it's a joy to research and write about. The Inspector Riger mysteries begin with Death in the Cove. It's Inspector Riger's first solo investigation outside of London when he's dispatched to solve the mystery of why a man in a pinstripe suit is found murdered in an isolated cove on the Royal Island of Portland in Dorset. Here he meets war photographer Eva Paisley for the first time. Riger quickly realises that her observations could provide the breakthrough he needs in a complex murder investigation and the answer to the haunting circumstances that have sent the man in the pinstripe suit to his death. The second Inspector Riger mystery, Death in the Harbour, is set in the port of New Haven, East Sussex, where Riger has to solve a puzzling and disturbing case of why an ordinary police constable was murdered and his sensible, law-abiding wife has gone missing. In number three, Death in the Nets, which is set in the small fishing town of Brixham in Devon, it's a cold, wet January night in 1951. The body of a man stabbed through the heart is found tangled up in fishing nets in Brixham Harbour. After a series of startling re revelations, Riger is tasked to discover why the dead man who left the town 11 years ago has returned and why someone hated him enough to murder him. The Inspector Riger Mysteries are published in paperback as ebooks on Amazon Kindle, and the first two are available as audiobooks from Audible. <laughs>